Hi, I'm Beverly Potts, the Senior PSL in the London IP Group at Allen & Overy. I'm here today with my colleagues Rob Dickens, an IP Litigation Associate, and Teresa Castle, a Trademark Attorney. Despite the recent crypto crisis and the digital asset slump, it seems likely that NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, are here to stay. This podcast is going to discuss some of the IP issues around NFTs. We'll discuss how businesses can get the right IP protection before entering the world of NFTs. And we'll also look at some of the IP infringement issues that we're starting to see in relation to NFTs. So let's start with you, Rob. What do you think are the main IP issues that arise in relation to NFTs? Sure. So as listeners will know, an NFT corresponds to an asset, which we tend to call the underlying asset. And I think probably the most important IP issue to remember when discussing NFTs is that owning the NFT doesn't necessarily mean that you own any IP rights in that underlying asset. So there's a real split there in terms of what you can and can't do with each part. It's often worth thinking about NFTs and the underlying asset separately. So looking at the NFT itself, when you purchase an NFT, you typically get two rights. The right to have the NFT, to the digital token itself, in your crypto wallet, and the right to sell the NFT. Now, digital files aren't usually regarded as property under English law, but the Law Commission has proposed a new category of data objects, so the NFTs and digital assets more generally can be property. And we can see the High Court starting to take a similar approach. Essentially, that means that English courts can now order a freeze on NFT accounts and order NFT marketplaces to disclose information about account holders. So turning to the underlying asset, ownership of the IP within the asset to which the NFT corresponds depends on a number of things, including the surrounding contractual arrangements like the smart contract within the NFT, the terms and conditions of the specific NFT project or the terms and conditions of the marketplace, and any other agreements that might be entered into outside that. But it also depends on national IP laws, particularly any that relate to formalities required to transfer IP. Typically, we see the purchaser of an NFT that has an underlying asset, like, a, for example, a, an artistic work. The purchaser will only obtain a limited license to display that artwork for non-commercial reasons, so on social media or within the metaverse, for example. And it, it might also allow them to make a limited number of copies as well. But it's important to remember that the usual buyer beware principle applies here. So any purchaser of an NFT, they need to check exactly what rights they're receiving uh, to the NFT and to the underlying asset. Theresa, any, anything you'd add? Yeah, thanks, Rob. I think that it's also worth mentioning for our listeners that there are many fraudulent NFTs out there. Some NFT purchasers, for instance, have ended up paying for but not getting anything in return, such as what's called a rug pull, or worse, they might get a Trojan horse token, which is essentially booby traps, so once accepted, it drains the purchaser's cryptocurrency account. We've also seen many counterfeit NFTs where a scammer steals and mints work without authority and sells it with the false claim that it's an official release. It's so easy for fraudsters to create a new digital asset with the same name or image, fooling purchasers to buy it instead of a legitimate asset. Okay, thanks both. That's really great background. Let's now think about companies protecting their IP when they enter the world of NFTs. 
Teresa, could you maybe explain what brand owners need to be thinking about when it comes to their trademark portfolios? Yep, no problem. From a trademark perspective, the main point to note is that current trademark specifications may not cover use of a brand in relation to NFTs. So in order to future-proof trademark protection, brand owners should review their specifications of goods and services now to ensure that they have taken into account NFTs and blockchain technology. Brand owners may also want to consider extending their registered protection to NFT metadata files as well, as more traditional physical goods that might be linked to NFTs. In this respect, some companies have been busy recently expanding the scope of their trademark registrations to ensure that they have the best coverage possible. For instance, the 12th edition of the NIST classification system now incorporates the term, quote, downloadable digital files authenticated by non-fungible tokens, close quote, which falls under class nine. The EU IPO has guidance that has recently come into force saying that NFTs are to be treated as unique digital certificates registered in a blockchain, which authenticate digital items, but are distinct from those items themselves. So by way of example, the term, quote, non-fungible tokens, close quote, would not be accepted by the EU IPO as the type of digital item authenticated by the NFT must be specific. The UK IPO recently issued a similar practice notice explaining that NFTs are not protectable per se and that the digital asset to which they relate to should be specified. So you might say, quote, downloadable virtual handbags, close quote. According to the UK IPO, virtual services will sit in their normal classes with the mode of delivery being specified. So say something like, quote, delivered by virtual means, close quote. Although this principle will not be appropriate for everything, so it's important more than ever for trademark owners to ensure that IP portfolios are fit for purpose. And it's also worth noting that registered designs may also be helpful in some circumstances because their protection isn't restricted to particular goods and services. So while NFTs have gathered more and more attention over the last couple of years, many trademark owners might not have considered NFTs just yet. And including how NFTs might interact with their brands. And I think that's probably the reason why we've noticed a number of interesting trademark infringement disputes in relation to NFTs. Bev, do you think we'll see more and more of these? Yeah, I think we will. One reason is because you don't need to be a sophisticated counterfeiter to create an NFT incorporating a third party's trademark. It's not like making a fake handbag. NFTs are really easy to create. And as you mentioned earlier, Rob, there's also that split between NFTs and their underlying assets. So that means that the NFT creator doesn't necessarily own the IP rights in the underlying work. So we're starting to see brand owners alleging that these NFT creators don't have the right to use their mark in the NFT itself or when they're advertising the sale of the NFT. On the other hand, uh, the potential infringers are going to argue that their use of the mark doesn't cause a likelihood of confusion or it doesn't take unfair advantage of the reputation of a well-known mark. These are pretty tricky areas, and a lot will depend on the facts of each case. I would also say, Bev, that one particular issue will be whether brands holders with marks covering physical goods, such as handbags or trainers, will be actually able to prevent use of those marks in NFTs for virtual handbags or trainers, for instance. 
I think that the key takeaway here, as I've mentioned earlier, is that registrations which explicitly reference NFTs in the specification of goods and services will provide brand owners with the strongest protection from unauthorized use. So practically, I think that means that brand protection strategies now need to cover potential NFT infringements. So brand owners need to monitor the NFT marketplaces for unauthorized use of their trademarks, and they also need to start taking action to enforce their rights. Okay, so that's all interesting from a trademark perspective. However, currently, it seems like a lot of NFTs involve digital art, and that brings into play copyright. Rob, can you maybe give us your thoughts on any copyright issues that arise when you mint an NFT from, say, a piece of digital artwork? Yeah, um, they're they're not particularly straightforward, um, and and they're going to be highly fact-dependent. But ultimately, when you're talking about copyright infringement issues regarding NFTs, the, the, the basic law still applies. So there's going to be a copyright infringement if there's any reproduction of the underlying work or any communication to the public of that work without the copyright owner's permission. Infringement by reproduction is going to be more likely for on-chain work. So that's where you have a, a copy of the underlying asset, the, the copyright work being uploaded to the blockchain. Um, that's, that's going to be a copy. And if the copyright owner doesn't grant permission for that copy to be made, that's going to be an infringing reproduction. However, those types of NFTs are fairly rare, at least at the moment, they're quite expensive. So it, it won't always be that straightforward. In many more cases, what we see is that the NFT provides a link to the digital asset hosted somewhere else. So off-chain works as they're, as they're referred to. And in those circumstances, you might still get an unauthorized reproduction if, for example, a, a copy of the work is uploaded to a new server without permission. But the minting process itself, which creates the NFT, doesn't actually create another copy of the work. And if you used a link to where the image was already uploaded, you're probably not going to generate any reproduction issues there. Yes, I agree. But you may have an infringing communication to the public if the NFT links to a copyright work. That's another complicated area. And again, a lot's going to depend on the circumstances of each NFT. I think the main issue is going to be whether the link in the NFT introduces the underlying copyright work to a new public. And that's where links in NFTs are often different to hyperlinks on the internet. Most internet links connect to web pages that are available to the general internet public. But that's not always the case with NFTs. Access to some NFT links is very restricted. So for example, they're only available on the smart contract. In those circumstances, I think it's going to be difficult to argue that the NFT introduces the copyright work to that new public, and that means there won't be a copyright infringement. Yeah, exactly. Um, Bev, have you got any recent examples of the kind of disputes that are being raised involving NFTs? Yeah, sure. In the US, for example, Hermay sued an artist called Rothschild for marketing NFTs linked to digital art depicting handbags made of faux fur. The artist claimed that the handbags were a tribute to the well-known Birkin handbag. However, they were marketed as meta-Birkins, so Amey claimed that they were infringing its Birkin trademark. A US jury recently found that this use of the meta-Birkin NFTs would create a likelihood of confusion with and dilute the distinctiveness of the Birkin trademarks. Now, that's important Uh, Because the court seems to have treated the NFTs, which are virtual goods in class nine, 
are similar to physical handbags in class 18. Now that's good news for brand owners, at least in the US, as it could mean that their existing trademarks are going to protect against other virtual goods or NFTs. The courts in other countries won't necessarily follow this decision, but they could at least take account of it. Um, in the meantime, until the position is more settled, I think some brand owners will continue to safeguard their position and file in class nine, as Teresa mentioned earlier. I think this is most noteworthy for less established brands who need to rely on confusion, whereas for well-known brands, their protection will extend to cover dissimilar goods and related services. Yeah, another interesting point is that the jury in the Meta Birkin dispute disagreed that the artist should have had a US First Amendment defense, and that permits certain uses of trademarks as artistic works. The artist had claimed that he was only making art depicting granting goods in order to comment on society's fixation with luxury items and the fashion industry's history of animal cruelty. However, it seemed that the artist was doing more than that. He also appeared to me to be using the Meta Birkin sign to market his NFTs. There's also the Nike and StockX dispute. This involves a slightly different situation because the NFT was a sort of claim ticket involving a digital image of limited edition Nike trainers. In such case, the owner of the NFT could exchange it for the physical version of the trainer that was held in the vault operated by StockX. Nike claims that this is trademark infringement, i.e. StockX is using Nike's trademark in relation to virtual trainers without permission. On the other hand, StockX says they're just selling a ticket that tracks ownership. They say they are entitled to sell the trainers and therefore they're entitled to use a photo of the product that they're selling in order to create this certificate of ownership. I think it'll be interesting to see what the US courts make of these cases and whether we see similar types of disputes arising elsewhere. Yes, I agree. Moving on, Rob, are there any other IP issues that you can see arising with NFTs? Yeah, I, I, there are a couple of other areas. Um, one is in relation to existing contracts involving IP licenses and whether they include the right to mint NFTs or not. And that, that was an issue that arose in the Pulp Fiction NFT dispute in the US, which is actually now settled. But in that case, Miramax sued Quentin Tarantino after he began selling NFTs containing scanned versions of the Pulp Fiction script, including Tarantino's handwritten comments and edits. And he claimed that he retained the rights in the screenplay to Pulp Fiction, but Miramax said that that didn't include the right to make NFTs from it. And of course, this wasn't actually explicitly set out in the contract because it was agreed back in the 90s when NFTs didn't exist. So rights holders wanting the option to mint NFTs should be like reviewing their IP policies, their agreements, uh, making sure that they cover the use of IP in relation to NFTs. And it's also worth carefully specifying the terms and conditions of any licensing or collaboration with NFT creators or platforms. And if there's any doubt as to whether existing licenses cover the right to create NFTs, it might make sense to do some sort of addendum to clarify the position. Listeners should also keep in mind here that image rights in the US or passing off in the UK could also become an issue for NFTs. For example, there may be questions about whether there has been a misrepresentation that any famous person who is the subject of an NFT has endorsed or sponsored the NFT in any way, or that there are 
any misleading statements about ownership of the IP or the origin of the NFT. These types of cases are rare at the moment, but we may see more over the next few years. So that's the substantive law. Bev, do you see any practical difficulties in IP claims involving NFTs? Yeah, I think the biggest practical difficulty is going to be identifying some of these infringers. Uh, Just like with other online sales, NFTs can be sold anonymously. And that means that the minter or the seller can be located anywhere in the world and accesses through a digital wallet. And that's really just numbers or letters. So there's no who is database and there's no dispute resolution procedure. And another big problem is how a court of a particular country takes jurisdiction over what's essentially a global issue. So for the internet, that's been resolved by way of the targeting analysis. And what that means is that you fall within a particular court's jurisdiction if you target or take aim at consumers in that jurisdiction. But that, that's going to be a bit more difficult to replicate, I think, in the context of NFTs, whether the market is a, is a truly global one. And finally, it's likely that existing remedies will need to adapt to deal with complaints about NFTs. And, and we're seeing that in how the notion of property under English law is being changed. We've also seen documents being served via NFTs presumably because there was no available address for the owner. And in terms of remedies, another interesting workaround we've seen is that because an NFT can't actually be destroyed, courts are instead directing that infringing NFTs are sent to inaccessible burn addresses or or that the link between the NFT and the underlying digital asset is broken. Great. Well, that's been a really interesting discussion. And we've covered a lot of issues that IP owners should be tackling. I think one of the overall messages I've taken from our discussion is that NFTs are new and exciting, but they're also legally complex, so they need to be handled responsibly. There are some new challenges surrounding IP protection and IP infringement. Many of the legal questions are similar to those that have arisen since the early days of the internet, but we're also starting to see some guidance from the courts on how they will treat NFTs and virtual goods and related services. The best thing is to make sure that you're prepared for the NFT world by being proactive. Make sure that your trademark protection is adequate and that you're monitoring for and prepared to act against infringements. And I'd round things off just by reiterating that many of the issues related to NFTs will depend on the particular circumstances and the technical aspect of each NFT that's an issue. So before you buy or sell any NFTs, do your research understand the legal and the technical implications of NFT transactions. And that, that's not just the IP issues like trademark and copyright, but also the contract, tax, privacy issues, as well as the environmental and ethical concerns. Thank you, Teresa and Rob. And thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast on NFTs and IP. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new and useful. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions, please feel free to contact any of today's speakers or use the general email address information at alanovery.com. In the meantime, please keep an eye out for further podcasts from A&O.